0: Hi everybody, this is Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. I hope you're doing well. June 23rd, 2016, the United Kingdom, which is England, Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales, will vote to determine if it stays within the European Union or leaves to re-embrace national sovereignty. Now, there's a lot of talk about the financial costs and renegotiation of trade contracts uh, or treaties and the movement of goods and services. That is completely irrelevant and immaterial. This is not about pounds and pennies. This is not about dollars and cents. This is about culture, history, a way of life, and the continuation of a multi-century civilization. It is fundamentally about one thing and one thing only— And that is immigration. Oh, no. He said the word immigration. Well, let's deal with the bear in the room right up front. When I talk about immigration, people are going to say racism. Oh, he doesn't want brown people coming to the United Kingdom. What nonsense. There's nothing to do with race. Culture and race are not the same thing. Let me give you an example. Japan has Japanese people in it and China has Chinese people in it. Are they the same race? Yeah, pretty much. However, if all the Japanese people go to China and all the Chinese people go to Japan, Japan is now Chinese and China is now Japanese. It's not about race. It's about culture and history and a way of life. Look, England is one of the great places in the world to live, the United Kingdom as a whole. One of the great places in the world to live. However, England in particular is about the most overpopulated major country in the European Union. It is crowded. We'll get to just how crowded in a minute or two. And there's a particular way of life that has evolved that people like and they want to come to. They want to come to the United Kingdom because it is the United Kingdom. However, if 12 billion people from some other culture come to the United Kingdom, it won't be the United Kingdom anymore. So that which draws them in will be destroyed. And this is why immigration is wonderful. Immigration needs a pause for people to acclimate to the new environment. A couple of generations, you know, bring a bunch of people in and then let things settle a little bit so that they can acclimatize to the British way of life. That's how civilized and sustainable immigration works. Wave after wave after wave, crashing in, crashing in, creating welfare moted ghettos. This is not how... Immigration works. This is how immigration swamps, destroys, fragments the culture of a country. And then there is no country. And what people came to enjoy no longer exists. It's like everybody you can have a thousand people on a boat. You just can't have a thousand people on one side of the boat because then it tips over. You got to spread things out. So that's really, really important. We're going to talk about what's happened with immigration in the United Kingdom over the past 10 or 15 years, what costs are involved and what is about to come. So thank you. Let's dive straight into the data, shall we? Now here, we'll put the sources for all this below. We're indebted to migrationwatchuk.org. Let's look at the official figures. This is what the government admits to. This is total immigration to the United Kingdom per year. This is not cumulative. This is every single year from 1996. So you can see 1996, 116,000, 107,000, I'm not going to read all these out, a peak of 375,000 people in 2004. There aren't roads enough, there aren't houses enough, there's not sewage enough, there's not schools enough, there's not healthcare enough for this giant wave of people. There's not language facilities and language education and language resources enough for this wave of people. And a little bit of a dip down 2012, 239,000. then by 2015, 363,000 people. This is the annual estimated immigration. Do they know? Well, this is uh, estimated. The UK has a population of about 64.1 million people. And uh, immigration since 1996 makes up about 8.5% of the current population. Now, with numbers like that, it does not take long for existing cultural values and ways of life to be diluted, pushed out, and supplanted. It is astonishing how many people who are native to uh, London have left London over the past few years, because immigrants tend to concentrate in the cities. So, this, uh, we're going to have a look at European Union immigration versus non-EU immigration. Estimated, this is in the yellow, estimated European Union to UK migration, see, it starts off fairly low, massive bulge, a bit of a dip, and now it's rocketing back up again. Non-European Union to UK migration is even higher and has remained higher than EU migration since 1996. So about half of immigration in the UK currently comes from EU countries, and that is, of course, aided by free movement provisions among the European member states. Now, the important thing to remember is that when immigrants come into a country, they require a lot of resources, and those resources are paid for by taxes. What that means is taxes on the native population generally go up, which means the native population can have fewer children because they're paying all this money in taxes to support the immigrants. So it's not like the UK plus immigration. It's the UK plus immigration minus a bunch of UK children who otherwise would have been born to native People. So this is really important. It is a displacement of population. Immigration is not in addition. Now, in the 19th century, in America, when there was no welfare state, this was a different matter. And about a third of those people who emigrated to the United States went back home because they didn't like it. But if what you can get on welfare is vastly superior to an earned wage in your native country, you're coming, you're staying, you're having lots of kids, taxes go up, which means native populations can have fewer children. It is a displacement of a population. It is not in addition to. So, this is estimated European Union immigration. So, pretty small, right? 1996, 28K, 99, 8,000, 2,000, 6,000, 2,001, 7,000. Relatively small. Boom! 2003, 2004, we go through the roof. 2014, 174,000 people coming in, estimated from the European Union. And this is a snowball effect. Look, if you have one drink, kind of fun. If you have five drinks, kind of dizzy. If you have 10 drinks, kind of passed out. If you have 20 drinks, kind of dead. Now, your body can process alcohol, just not a huge amount all at the same time, and a country is like that with regards to immigration. Now, the reason why we have forced to care about immigration is because of the welfare state, and because of public schools, and because of old age pensions, and socialized health care, and all the things that matter when other people move into the country. I'd love to live in a world where I could care less who lives where, but the reality is when people move to your country, they're adding to your tax burden in general. The degree to which they're doing it, we will talk about in just a few minutes. European Union migrants living in the United Kingdom in millions as of 2004 to 2014. Well, I'm not going to do the horrifying xylophone scale up to hell, but from 1.5 million to 3 million in 10 years. 1.5 million additional European Union migrants living in the United Kingdom in just 10 years. Now, everyone is for some limit on immigration. So let's not pretend that everyone would just love to open the doors to everyone on the planet, because how many people, if they had the choice, would like to live in, say, London on welfare rather than, say, in Somalia or Ghana or wherever it's going to be? Everybody has to recognize some limitation on immigration. So the question is, where are you going to put your limitation, not whether there should be or not? And again, it's not racist to imagine such. It has nothing to do with race, fundamentally. Polish people are white, but if everyone in Poland moved to the United Kingdom, the United Kingdom would pretty much become Poland, or a significant portion of it would be. So it's got nothing to do with race, it's all about culture. If you have a child brought up in the British culture, in the United Kingdom culture, they will grow up with all those values. It's very difficult to transplant those values to other people who come in from others overseas. There's no magic soil. And people pass through the portal of the channel and boom, they have the Magna Carta and they have the Glorious Revolution and they have the Enlightenment and they have the Renaissance and they have you name it. It doesn't happen. It has to slowly be worked into a human soul. United Kingdom migration to... The European Union, because, of course, a lot of people come to the United Kingdom, some people leave. European Union to UK, 3.3 million people. UK to European Union, only 1.2 million people. Now, this data is from the United Nations. Now, this contradicts the United Kingdom government preference for claiming only 2 million UK citizens live and work in the EU. The 2 million figure was an overestimate from a single 2010 report where the researchers multiplied the actual figures by 4 to obtain their results. Why? Well, they were provided with anecdotal claims regarding a singular consular official. So, this is uh, the greater facts. Uh, This is 800,000 or more estimated greater UK to European Union, but these are the actual UN figures. Net outflow countries where are people moving to with regards to from the United Kingdom to the European Union well of course Mallorca a lot of people are going to Spain and of course a lot of those people would be retiring and wishing to escape the uh, clammy death grip of English all seasons where summer comes I believe if memory serves on a Wednesday Spain 180,000 Cyprus 10,000 France 9,000 Luxembourg 6,000 Finland has equal uh, immigration and outflow Net inflow countries, this is from the European Union, Uh, this is aggregate not per year. So Slovenia, 500, Denmark, 5,000, Belgium, 5,000, Croatia, 5,500, Malta, 8,000, and we go up and up, Estonia, 17,000, Netherlands, 29, Czech Republic, 37, Greece, 54, ah, we have only begun the escalation. Slovakia, 58,000. Bulgaria 72,000, Hungary 80,000, Latvia 95,000, Portugal 114,000, Italy 139,000, Lithuania 144,000, Ireland 156,000, Germany 194,000, Romania 226,000. Hey remember I mentioned Poland and Poland 848,000 people coming in and uh, yeah not a lot of British people want to go to Poland it is true now as it was in 1939. So just think of this. A lot of these people coming in, raising the tax bills for the local population, driving up the price of housing, driving up the price of goods and services, because there's a much greater demand. And they don't speak, a lot of them wouldn't speak the language, certainly not as well, don't have the history, don't have the same cultural background as people in England or in the United Kingdom, so... Tax rates go up. A lot of these people coming in means that fewer native UK people are born and the culture gets displaced. The culture gets fragmented. You can't make decisions. You can't figure anything out. You can't work with your neighbors. Multiculturalism destroys social trust in neighborhoods. People stay home. They watch TV. They don't do things with their neighbors because it's too damn complicated. Don't know the culture, don't know the history, don't know the religion, don't know the language. Ah, oh, forget it. I'll just stay home. Neighborhoods decay. They're destroyed. All of the stuff that I grew up with in London, going out all day, all night, playing with all the kids in the neighborhood, a lot of that is being fragmented, destroyed, disrupted, boom, it's gone. And why? And why? You have to think to yourself, I understand why people want to come to the United Kingdom, but you have to look in the mirror and say, how does it benefit me? How does, aside from the Pied Piper dance of multiculturalism is a strength, diversity is a strength. I mean, this is just statements. Nobody's ever proven that. In fact, diversity has considerably and repeatedly been shown to be a considerable weakness and destruction of civic society and social society. To look yourself in the mirror and say, how does it benefit me? How does it benefit me as someone who lives in the United Kingdom, as somebody who, whose history is in the United Kingdom, how does it benefit me to have this giant laundry list of people coming in with different cultures, different languages, different religions, different histories? Why? How does it benefit me? Rather than having an equivalent number of people born who were just raised here. I get it benefits the politicians. See the politicians. Well, what have they done? Well, they have underfunded the welfare state. They have underfunded pensions for old people, so they want to bring in a bunch of taxpayers. Is that going to work? Well, we'll find out. So, I need to introduce you to something called National Insurance Numbers, or Ninos. And um, these are issued, of course, to people who are uh, living and working in the United Kingdom. I also need to introduce you to EU-14, EU-8, and EU-2. We'll keep it brief, but it's important. EU-14, Austria, Belgium, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Ireland, Italy, Luxembourg, Netherlands, Portugal, Spain, and Sweden. Yes, that was all on one breath. EU8, sometimes called the A8 countries, added in 2014. Czech Republic, Estonia, Hungary, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Slovakia and Slovenia does not include Cyprus and Malta. EU2, added in 2007, Romania and Bulgaria. So to work legally in the UK, a national insurance number is required. Between 2004 and 2015, four million national insurance numbers were issued to EU nationals. In 2015, a record 630,000 Ninos were issued, including 209,000 to Romanians and Bulgarians. So, there is a giant disparity between the number of Ninos issued and official estimates of immigration. Now, part of this reason is because Ninos are issued to those who come to the UK for less than a year before returning home. People coming for less than a year are not classified as long-term migrants or included in official estimates of net migration. However, this does not explain all of the discrepancy in estimates between for both long-term and short-term immigrants between one and 12 months. It's still total less than the number of Ninos recorded as being issued. So Nino data is an actual record of the number issued while migration figures are an estimate based on survey data. So this has led to, uh, let's say, concerns that the official EU net migration figures could be an underestimate, and that the actual figure may be even higher. So here we can see, this is a graph here, national insurance numbers uh, issued. Uh, And uh, EU8, EU14, EU2, it's a, I don't know, (laughs) sort of a Matisse uh, sculpture uh, in, in profile, but the numbers are all clustering up through the roof and are far higher than official estimates of uh, immigration. So this is important. The government can't even tell you with any degree of accuracy how many people are coming into your country. So this is um, United Kingdom Immigration versus National Insurance Numbers, or NINOs, issued 2005 to 2015. This is EU-8 Immigration to the United Kingdom, EU-8 National Insurance Numbers issued. So the bottom line, this yellow line, that's The estimated immigration based on a bunch of surveys. The top line is the actual number of national insurance numbers issued. And that's important. Because in 2015, the government numbers claimed 65,000 immigrants over a year of stay, not short term, from EU8 countries were in the United Kingdom. So only 65,000 immigrants, but it issued 216,000 Ninos for people from the EU8 countries. So that's a lot. That is a lot. That is more than triple and uh, heading in for quadruple. So just when the government says, well, the immigration is this, don't believe them. Immigration versus national insurance numbers issued 2005 to 2013. So this is EU8 short and long-term migration to the United Kingdom. EU8 national insurance numbers uh, issued. So even after adding the short-term migration under a year numbers, a gap of about 70,000 has existed each year, each year between 2009 to 2013. Short-term migration data past 2013 is not yet available. So even when we try to close the gap, it doesn't work. The estimates are way off the number of immigrants. This is important. Because they can't even tell you the truth, they can't even estimate. And of course the government could use this NINO data. Why don't they use this data? Why are they relying on surveys which are subjective and easily manipulated rather than relying on this data? Because it will shock you to know how many people are coming to live in England. Well, it won't shock you if you're trying to buy or rent a house because that's what's driving up the demand, at least one of the main things. So this is immigration versus national insurance numbers issued from EU2 countries, Romania and Bulgaria. So here you can see EU2 immigration to the United Kingdom is on the bottom here in the yellow. And then this Loch Ness Monster leap up that's going on from 2013. These are the official national insurance numbers issued. It's truly shocking and truly astonishing. Now, there are some caveats. We'll put them in the notes below. But this should be alarming to anybody who is concerned about the continuation of a culture that took many, many centuries and the blood of countless millions to develop. The freedoms, the separation of church and state, the free market, you name it. EU-14, short and long-term migration to the United States versus EU-14 national insurance numbers issued. Now, if this doesn't underwhelm you with confidence in the government data, I don't know what will. This story is the reverse for the EU-14 countries. Until 2011, the number of Ninos issued was less than the estimated influx of long-term and short-term migrants or immigrants. In other words, who's in your country? Who knows? Doesn't matter. Just pay your damn taxes because politicians need to buy them some votes. All right, so now we're going to switch to non-European Union immigration. Now, this is, of course, people not coming from EU countries. The birth rates for this group are high, to put it mildly. 1996, eight, 88,000. And again, this is all the government estimates and so on. 2004, 265,000. And again, it's not cumulative, it's per year. 2015, 191,000 non-European Union immigration. What's wrong with having babies, United Kingdom? Have babies. Look, they're going to grow up speaking English. They're going to grow up with the same culture, with the same history, the same values. So much easier. Oh, I know why. Because human beings are pretty slow to turn from babies into taxpayers, right? So if... A lot of British people start having babies. Well, then the government isn't going to have a lot of taxpayers for another 20 to 25 years. But immigration gives the illusion of massive tax influxes in the here and now. Because you can just deficit finance all the spending on migrants. And that's another reason why it's a challenge to have babies. Oh, I don't want to grow up in debt. So, non-European union migration to the United Kingdom. Population estimates. So this uses the United Nations data estimate. It does not subtract UK-born individuals living in these countries from the population currently living in the United Kingdom. So this is the population estimate. From Turkey, 100,000. Ghana, 102,000. Somalia, 110,000. Hong Kong, almost 120,000. Zimbabwe, almost 133,000. Australia, 136,000. Sri Lanka, 139,000. Philippines, almost 140,000. Kenya, 151,000. All right. So let's keep going, shall we? Jamaica, 172,000. China, 182,000. USA, 212,000. Nigeria, 216,000. South Africa, 218,000. Bangladesh, 230,000. Pakistan, five hundred and forty thousand four hundred ninety five and ding 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 grab your vindaloo coming in at the top india seven hundred and seventy six thousand six hundred and three yeah that's right three quarters of a million people that's uh That's a lot. Now, of course, the people from Pakistan and India want to come to England because it's English, because it's British, because it's not Pakistan and India. If they wanted Pakistan and India, it's a whole lot easier to stay home. They come to England, they come to Great Britain, they come to the United Kingdom because they want what's here. If too many come, it's going to turn into Pakistan and India, and then that whole trip has been to get the same crappy system as in Pakistan and India, but with way worse weather. Don't let that happen, people. Now, whither goeth the United Kingdom? Well, population projections by migration, level. So this um, white line at the bottom is no more migration. Hey, how about you just make the beast with two backs and make some new people locally? It seems like a pretty easy thing to do. If it's kept at 105,000 annually, way below what seems to be happening at the moment, then you get the yellow line. Um, so, I'm, you know, this takes you from, you know, 65 million, right? So you go from 65 million to 2039, you're still under 68 million. With 105,000 annually, you go from 65 million to almost uh, 70 million. At 185,000 annually, you're over 74 million. And at 265,000 annually, you're at almost 77 million people. That's a lot more, 12 million more. You ever walk around London and say to yourself, boy, you know what this place could use? More pigeons and just a few more people. That would be great. So it is uh, madness. Now, overall, net migration, including births to foreign born parents, has a- accounted for an estimated 85% of the population growth in the United Kingdom since 2000. I just really want you to understand that. Net migration, including births to foreign born parents, has accounted for of the population growth in the UK since 2000. That is a displacement, people. Now, under the government's high migration estimate, the population is projected to rise by about 500,000 people a year, the equivalent to a new city the size of Liverpool every single year, or 8 million over the next 15 years. Over 90% of international migrants to the UK go to England. England has a population density of over 410 people per square kilometer. Some stacked vertically. England's population density is slightly lower than that of India. And almost twice that of Germany. And three and a half times that of France. So it's already looking like frat people stuffing themselves into a phone booth. I don't know. That's an old analogy. I guess you can look it up. So England is... Ridiculously crowded, and the vast majority of new people in England are either migrants or born to foreign born parents. So, how about England gets a little me time? How about the United Kingdom gets a little me time? Takes a little time, raises the trellis, lets people acclimatize, and keeps England and keeps uh, the United Kingdom the way that it has evolved and allows it to evolve with all of the richness of new cultures but without the swamping of the original culture under the new cultures. It's just the thought, you get to vote. I don't, because I've been gone from England for more than 15 years. I just looked that up. Tragic. So, <laughs> what's it costing you? What's all of this? Oh, I really don't want to be called a racist. What's it costing you? Pounds and pennies. What's it costing you? Well, from April 2014 to March 2015, Migration Watch UK calculated that immigrants in the United Kingdom from other European economic area countries cost £1.2 billion annually, or over £3 million a day. I don't know what's behind your couch cushions. I can't quite seem to find that. Now, European economic area immigrants, they're costly. This is net negative. It's not, well, they cost, but, but there's all these benefits. This is after the benefits and the costs are calculated. They are draining your treasury. It's like attaching five lampreys to your jugular and going on a marathon. Jog, jog, thump. Ah, but if you will look, if I can divert your gaze, to the right-hand side of the screen here, we have non-European economic area. Immigrants. Ah, you see, that number seems to be just a little bit higher. So, immigrants from outside the European Economic Area cost £15.6 billion annually, or almost £43 million every single day. So, overall, immigration is costing native UK residents nearly $17 billion annually. See, here's the thing, people. Are they coming for the money or because they love British values? You don't know, because you're paying them so much. It's like paying someone to be your date. Does she love me? You don't know, because you're paying her to be your date. Don't prostitute yourself, Great Britain. You're worth more than that. You're better than that. Please, stop bribing people to come to your country. There's enough value there that the people who love you will find you out. So immigrants contributed $89.7 billion pounds and taxes but received 106.7 billion dollars in public spending during 2014 to 2015 the cost of taxpayers included 20 billion paid in working aged benefits ah! but there 's more you see these are just some of the hard costs there 's a lot more costs we have costs of housing, cost of cars, costs of congestion, cost of traffic jams, lowered quality of education for all the children because you got to take into account six billion different languages, religions, and cultures. No values can be taught in school because whatever you teach someone 's going to offend someone else it wasn 't the case when I went to school when I went to school to boarding school in England. we were kind of taught perhaps a little strictly, one set of values. We were able to actually have cultural values because we weren't heavily diluted with incompatible, opposing, hysterical, highly highly offended cultures. There are people who've paid into the system. They they pay taxes their whole lives. They want health care. They want retirement benefits. And they are not going to get some of them because the money's all being devoted to immigrants. And this is just now. Future costs are going to go through the roof annual cost of immigration so total government revenue fiscal year 2015 to 2016 was projected to be 673 billion pounds total expenditures 742 billion pounds total deficit 69 billion pounds so you already can't afford the society that you have can't afford the immigrants that you have do you want more Come on, people. It's not that complicated. You don't even need to take your shoes off to do this math. You can't afford it. You can't afford it. can't afford it. Chairman of Migration Watch UK, Lord Green of Deddington, quote, This report shows that EU migration taken as a whole is not making the positive fiscal contribution that has so often been claimed. Furthermore, it is adding to the rapidly increasing pressures on housing, public services, It also contributes to our population increase of half a million every year, roughly a city the size of Liverpool. Without the Beatles. UKIP immigration spokesman Stephen Wolfe, quote, Ultimately, the British taxpayer will be forced to pick up the bill for our reckless migration policy as a member of the EU. This research shows that we have a ticking time bomb of costs that our nation will not be able to cope with as our population grows. Ex-Cabinet Minister Ian Duncan-Smith, Quote, we know that uncontrolled migration is placing a huge strain on the NHS, national health system, schools and other public services. That's a challenge for councils to cater to, as well as a cost to families who struggle to gain fair access to the services that their taxes paid for. Not only that, uncontrolled migration also hits people's pockets because it puts downward pressure on wages, as well as increasing competition for jobs. Now, this report lays bare the wider financial cost to taxpayers, which runs into the billions every year, including $1.2 billion from European immigration alone. It's time to take back control of our borders and implement a fairer immigration policy, one that works for the UK. What's in it for you? It is okay to ask that question. In fact, it is morally required to ask that question because all the benefits living in the United Kingdom, they're not yours to give away. You didn't earn them. You inherited them from your forefathers. They're not yours to give away. You have no right to give them away just to be avoid calling being called slightly mean words. Pfft, who cares? Now, the migrant crisis is a thing and it's not an inconsequential thing. I've spoken a lot about it. I'll just touch on it briefly here. So far, a little over 1,100 Syrian refugees have been resettled in the UK. Current commitments to resettle over 20,000. The House of Commons Home Affairs Committee has released a study projecting the cost of resettling these 20,000 refugees to be 589 million pounds, or almost 30,000 pounds per refugee over five years. See, they're probably going to live a little longer than five years. Prime Minister David Cameron quote The first 12 months of each refugee's resettlement costs under the Syrian Vulnerable Persons Resettlement Scheme will be funded using official development assistance at the spending review the government committed 129 million pounds to assist with local authority costs over the years 2 to 5 of the scheme the total estimated cost of the scheme in each of the next 5 years is 99 million pounds in 2016 to 2017 129 million in 2017 to 2018, 149 million 2018 to 2019, and 83 million in 2020 to 2021. Now, of course, these are future government estimates of costs. If you're over the age of, say, twelve, well, I think I don't know need to tell you much about how much seriousness to give future estimates of government costs. UK UKIP migration spokesman Stephen Wolfe, MEP, quote, I'm speechless. Seriously, this number can't be right. The government is projecting over £100 million a year, over four years of this parliament, a minimum £25,000 net per refugee on present arrivals. It's insane. As the Home Office refuses to provide regular updates on the numbers being resettled, or where they are being placed, there is an unacceptable lack of transparency in the use of these significant funds. The Office of the United Nations... High Commissioner for Refugees reported that as of November 3rd, 2015, there were 4.29 million registered Syrian refugees. Most Syrian refugees were currently located in Jordan, Lebanon, and Turkey, which are neighboring countries, of course, of Syria. Do you care about the Syrian refugees? I do. Do you really want to help them, rather than just morally posture and pretend to be nice? Well, the United States-based Center for Immigration Studies released a report showing that for what it costs to resettle one Middle Eastern refugee in the United States, about 12 refugees can be helped in the Middle East. So don't think of the one you are helping. Think of the 12 you're not helping because why? Because you want refugees to come where the climate is different, where the religion is different, where the culture is different, where the language is different, where the ha is different. Go on, ad infinitum, come on. So... Using the same calculation, the cost of helping one Syrian refugee come to the United Kingdom, well, you could assist 3.6 Syrian refugees in the Middle East. For the £589 million pledged to resettle 20,000 refugees in the UK, you could resettle not 20,000, but instead 361,793 in the Middle East for the calendar year. It's not about helping the refugees. It's about photo ops. It's I mean, forget it. If you want to help the refugees, help them in the Middle East. Bringing them to the West is culturally disastrous, potentially. It is hugely problematic, almost for certain. And it doesn't actually help any of the refugees who are left behind. And you could help far more by helping them resettle in the Middle East than bringing them into the West. Anybody who tells you otherwise is a moral poser who should be immediately ejected from any sane conversation. Now, what's coming? It's not about what's past. What's past is past. What is coming? Well, as it approached creditor deadlines in the past, Greece, remember Greece? A little problem with its finances. Great Olympics, though. Greece has made threats on what would happen if the European Union and the International Monetary Fund refused to bail out their financially destitute country again. Greece is on the border of Turkey, which is currently hosting approximately 3 million refugees. Greek Defense Minister Panos Kamonos quote, If they deal a blow to Greece, then they should know that the migrants will get papers to go to Berlin. If Europe leaves us in the crisis, we will flood it with migrants. And it will be even worse for Berlin if in that wave of millions of economic migrants there will be some jihadists of the Islamic State too. If they strike us, we will strike them. We will give to migrants from everywhere the documents they need to travel in the Schengen area so that the human wave could go straight to Berlin. Now, I'm no expert, but I'm not sure that these people are a huge net addition to a country if they're being threatened as a form of bioweapon against Europe. See, that's not really where you want to go. Europe can pick its refugees. You can have a point system like like Australia or Canada. You could get the best of the best. He's basically using them as bioweapons against Europe to extract money from the European Central Bank. Is this the club you want to be part of? This makes the mafia look like Boy Scouts. Greek Foreign Minister Nikos Kotsias If Greece was forced out of the euro, quote, there will be tens of millions of immigrants and thousands of jihadists. Now, the next Greek creditor deadline, May 24th, 2016. While Greece threatens the European Union with massive amounts of Turkey's refugees, negotiations are quickly proceeding to allow Turkey into the European Union. Are you kidding me? Turkey... Massive majority Muslim country. Islam and Europe has had a challenging history. I've got a presentation called The Truth About the Crusades, if you'd like to know a little bit about what's been going on. But um, there are a bunch of requirements for Turkey to get into the EU, and uh, Turkey is saying, well, we'll get to what Turkey is saying in the moment. But let's just go to this. A study has been done which said that... Um, million Turks say they will come to the United Kingdom once the EU deal is signed. Let me back that one up, run that past you again, because you're going to be voting soon. Once the EU deal is signed, 12.6 million Turks say they'll come to the UK. A lot of them unemployed, a lot of them students. I don't know that they're paying a huge amount of taxes. Now, if... The United Kingdom does not leave the European Union. There's pretty much absolutely nothing that can be done to stop 12.6 million Turks, mostly Muslims, coming into the United Kingdom. Um, For example, you know, just by the by, the crime rate in Turkey, way higher than that of the United Kingdom. The murder rate in Turkey, four times that of Britain. So do you like staying home? Do you miss bars on the window? I mean, do you, do you like staying home a lot? Do you like jumping every time a cat walks down the alley? Of course, some people believe if you allow Turkey into the European Union, a strong alley in the fight against terrorism in the region, blah de blah blah However, of course, people pouring in of questionable allegiance to various groups. I don't know. How is this even a question? Now, European Commission... First vice president, see, it's the first one because you need lots of layers of bureaucracy in order to have a free society. First vice president, Franz Timmerman, said, quote, Turkey has made impressive progress, particularly in recent weeks, on meeting the benchmarks of its visa liberalization roadmap. This is why we are putting a proposal on the table which opens the way for the European Parliament and the member states to decide to lift visa requirements once the benchmarks have been met. The European Union and the Turkish government reached a deal, March 18, 2016, where all migrants who attempt to enter Europe via, via the Aegean Sea, including Syrians fleeing war, will be sent back to Turkey and accepted. Right? So Turkey is holding, for the moment, the uh, refugees, uh, the migrants. I mean, they're not all flee- fleeing war. Uh, and they're being paid very handsomely for this. And it has given them enormous leverage. Under the agreement, Turkey received 6 billion euros. Because remember... Pretty much every country in the EU is running a massive surplus, so they can afford all this stuff, right? 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 Turkey received €6 billion, assurances of a fast-track to joining the EU, and a conditional promise of visa-free travel for its citizens to Europe by the end of June 2016. June. June. Yeah, that's the same month you get to vote on the Brexit. Huh? Makes you think, doesn't it? EU Commissioner for Migration, Home Affairs and Citizenship, Demetrius Avramopoulos. Quote, The Turkish authorities have made remarkable progress since the 18th March EU-Turkey Summit, and we trust Turkey is committing to delivering on all fronts as soon as possible. The Commission has decided to put forward a proposal to transfer Turkey to the list of visa-free countries. Of course, the Commission will continue to monitor the continuous fulfilling of these criteria. Yeah, of course it will. UKIP leader, Nigel Farage, quote, This is a huge error of judgment by the European Commission. Turkey moves a step closer to EU membership and the British electorate move a large step closer to Brexit. The chaos from the beaches of Greece has evidently moved to the corridors of Brussels. The EU has rolled over to the blackmail from Turkey President Erdogan. Turkey is a country with a terrible human rights record accused of helping ISIS and mistreating minorities. It is too big, too poor, and too different from us, and I certainly do not want the UK to be in a political union with Turkey. In Turkey, 97.8% of the population identifies as Muslim and 2% as non-religious. A recent Pew poll found that in Turkey, 13% believe that government laws should strictly follow the teachings of the Koran. 37% said laws should follow the values and principles of Islam, but not strictly follow. And only 36% supported the separation of church and state. So in Europe, I don't know. 50 million, 100 million people died uh, during the uh, Protestant fragmentation wars post the breakup of Christendom after Martin Luther nailed his ninety-nine thesis to the church door in Wittenberg. Fifty, hundred million people, maybe more, died to separate the church and state. I don't believe in an afterlife, but if I did, I think they'd come back from the dead and choke you all in your sleep if you hand that victory away. UKIP migration spokesman Steve Stephen Wolf MEP on Europol recently searching for terrorists in Greece migrant camps quote: "This action itself is an acknowledgement that Europe is vulnerable to potential terrorists using the migrant trail to enter Europe." If it wasn't for the EU's free movement of people across Europe, this deployment would not have been necessary. The Schengen policy, which is a foundation of the EU political project, has made Europe less secure and left the continent exposed to terrorism. Security is a central part to the UK Brexit debate. Proper border controls are essential to any security policy. Only by leaving the EU can we ensure our protection from a borderless Europe. UKIP Defence Spokesman Mike Hookham, quote, We have heard from both Europol and Frontex, as well as the National Crime Agency here in the UK, that it is open borders and the migrant crisis which has increased the terror risk to the whole of the EU, including the UK. UKIP leader Nigel Farage, quote, We have an open door to 500 million people across 27 other countries of the European Union, and we see net migration now regularly running at over 300,000 every year, far higher than the government's target of migration in the tens of thousands. With Turkey pushing and in fact being encouraged by this government to become a member of the EU, the current levels of immigration could go even higher. If we vote to remain on June 23rd, we can never control our borders, but voting to leave will give us back that control. This is the most crucial issue of the referendum, and it is vital that the Leave campaign makes this argument. We will have all the economic debates, and they are very important, but what will win or lose this referendum will be the immigration argument of that. I am absolutely convinced. Oh, and by the way turkey is threatening to loose the migrants on europe if europe doesn't give it visa free travel all across europe wherever they want to go including your house so that's just something who you're thinking of getting in bed oh give us visa free travel nice little continent you got there be a real shame if something happened to it oh oh do you hear that i think some of the migrants are getting loose oh be a real shame if they all got loose and we gave them all boats to come across to europe good luck with all of that it's a dangerous world, people. There's a reason you have a wall around your house. All right. I think I've made a uh, pretty good case. But with regards to immigration, the government has no idea who's coming into the country. They have a clue. They have a clue. When you have a large population from a particular group, in your society, say Pakistanis, when you have a large population of Pakistanis, it means more Pakistanis want to come to the United Kingdom because there are already lots of Pakistanis there. They got contacts. They don't want to go to Poland. With not how many Pakistanis are in Poland? Probably not a lot. So, of course, this is a snowball effect. The more you get, the more you're going to get. The more you get, the more you're going to get. There's a lot wrong with the European Union. It's this big, giant layer of socialism that, like all other government programs, produces the exact opposite of what it claims. Oh, we're going to be all about security, and it's going to be free trade. Nonsense. It has made Europe far less secure. It has made Europe, uh, by by taking away local currency, it has given, it's taken away from countries the ability to devalue their currency if they have overspent, um, and this is one of the reasons why it is crippled. Uh, You know, Greece got to borrow at the rates of Germany and spent like crazy and things kind of went haywire from there. So it's a giant, massive mess of a problem. Who's going to care about you more? Some local politician who looks you in the eye, who grew up around you, or some guy in Brussels who doesn't even speak English. Come on, people. This is not that hard to figure out. It's a layer of communism slash socialism slash fascism that is a complete mess and disaster and is dissolving the historical sustainability of the entire European civilization. It is corrupt. There are massive amounts of regulations that even if you don't trade with Europe, you still have to obey. It's insane. You have to retain as a country the ability to decide for yourself. The courage that the United Kingdom might have with regards to the Brexit, with regards to voting to get out of this, which is like... Getting onto a lifeboat early on in the movie Titanic, or the actual Titanic, you know, with the guy spinning down and dinging his forehead off the propeller at the end? For God's sakes, do it now! If England leaves, this might be someone getting out. It might inspire other countries to reevaluate their addiction to this incredibly bureaucratic, socialistic nightmare of the EU. It might cause a chain reaction of escape and cause the Actual potential survival of European civilization. I kind of like European civilization. I was born in Southern Ireland. I grew up in London, England. I have visited most places, well, a lot of places in the continent. I love Europe. I'd love to come back. But you all got to get it through your heads that the EU is like the Soviet Union. It's not going to work. It is a massive socialist disaster. It needs to be stopped before it is too late. There is no magic soil. There's no magic pixie dust in the air in England that turns everyone into people who are like the native British. It's not there. It's not there. It takes time to integrate. It takes time for people to come to your country and integrate. It's not that hard to figure out. Imagine if you moved to Beijing, China. How long would it take for you to feel exactly like the people who grew up in Beijing, China? You probably never would. Your kids, a little bit more. Their kids, a little bit more. After a couple of generations, maybe everything's hunky-dory. But you need to figure that out. You can't just keep piling more and more people in and just cross your fingers and hope it's going to work. It's going to do the opposite of working, just as all government programs do. Government Immigration right now is a government program. It is a disaster it's not a disaster like it's inconvenient. It's not a disaster like, well, there's an odd smells of cooking in the hallway. It's a disaster like the entire Western experiment might go down the tubes. The entire history, civilization, and culture of the Europe, all the way back to ancient Greece, ancient Rome, multi-millennia of development, of freedom, liberty, independence, rights for women, separation of church and states, a free market, a dedication to science, philosophy, reason, objectivity, all might crumble and fall in a dissolute mess of warring perspectives. It is time to stop this mad experiment, raise the drawbridge, and let the people who came to Britain because it is Britain enjoy what they travelled and worked so hard to arrive at, to live in, and to achieve. You cannot hand away the fruits, hard, one, heart-fought, bled and died for by your ancestors, the fruits of liberty, you cannot hand them away because you're afraid of being called bad words. Save yourselves, and through that, you may save Western civilization itself.